Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of How About This. And this week's episode is a special. It's a special that Jordan and I wanted to put together because we don't really get into pitches in this episode. In this episode instead, we talk at length about our experience and our appreciation for the Disney Plus MCU series, WandaVision. So we go at length talking about what we loved about WandaVision, some things that we didn't love about WandaVision, and where we expect the implications of this show to go further within the MCU. So we hope you have a lot of fun with that. Full disclosure, this episode is filled with spoilers. So if you had not seen WandaVision yet, please don't listen to this episode unless you're okay with being spoiled. In addition, there are some sound issues on this episode. I'm looking into it. I'm not exactly sure what happened. Seems like something got messed up while we were recording, but I ask that you please bear with us and be patient. This should not happen again. I apologize for any dips in audio quality. Some of it might be too loud. Some of it might be too soft. Hopefully something like this won't happen in the future. So thank you once again, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, How About This listeners? Welcome to a very different and very special episode of How About This. This does not contain a pitch this week. Uh, We wanted to do something a little different because Jordan and I were very invested in a TV show that just wrapped up fairly recently, but we felt like giving you a little bit of a, eh, maybe a little bit of a head start before we got into our our episode in which we kind of discussed and explained and got into what we liked about it and what we didn't like about it and where we can see this going from here. But before we get into that, I would like to introduce the master of the mystic arts and the sorcerer supreme himself, Mr. Jordan Hugh. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, yes, I would like to thank my co-host, who is Mephisto Confirmed. I knew it. See, Mephisto starts with an M and Mike starts with an M. Mike is Mephisto Confirmed. That's right. That's my new nickname on all social media is Mephisto.confirmed at gmail.com. Right. So I've please- also seen Mike Mephisto Confirmed Stab. Yeah, I mean, if you want to put it in quotes or maybe in parentheticals, uh, you could do that as well. Yeah, uh, just be either sure, works, yeah. Be sure to get the email right. And if you're paying me tribute of any kind, I take Venmo, I take PayPal, and I take Bitcoin. So please be sure to send me payments as soon as you can. That's exactly what Mephisto would say. As, exactly, exactly. Confirmed. Confirmed. Mephisto confirmed. Mephisto confirmed. So <laughs> if you didn't realize, we are talking about WandaVision today, uh, the newest saga in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the first ever Marvel miniseries on Disney+. And Jordan and I are actually very, very big fans of the show. Yeah. And while we do definitely will have some criticisms for the show, this is going to be uh, probably a pretty big just love fest for this show i I don't think we really have too many knocks at wandavision but what's interesting about wandavision of how is is pretty much how it sits within the mcu where the mcu Mm. can go from here what we can learn from wandavision and what the mcu on the whole how it changes based on the the show itself now there will be spoilers so if you're in like episode six or seven or or eight do not listen to this episode until you've finished all of wandavision what the fuck are you doing? You should be have finished WandaVision already. What are you, why are you listening to us instead of finishing WandaVision? Priorities. Yeah, exactly. Like you should be spending your time doing nothing but watching streaming shows online like the excellent and amazing WandaVision that is probably nine of the most interesting episodes of a show I've seen in quite a long time, especially in juxtaposition to 
the rest of the MCU. If the MCU was finally going to give us a different flavor, and I don't think we were supposed to get this flavor at the point in which we got it. I think this was supposed to come a little bit later. I think there should have been some movies that happened in between this, but the global pandemic and COVID pushed a lot of those movies back, leaving WandaVision in a spot where it kind of is like a gateway into the new MCU, almost as the if the MCU itself is entering this weird kind of silver age of their cinematic universe and something that is very more in common with the Marvel team-up feel than what we got for the MCU, which the original first run of the MCU, the Infinity Saga, which feels very much like this is the status for the whole entire film universe. It's very much your Avengers story. We're breaking away from that now, little by little. And I'm, I'm actually happy about that. The problem is I think moving forward, the MCU might lose a significant portion of its fan base, or at least there might be some degree of disinterest because we're no longer going to be getting stories that are solely about Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. We're moving into a new spot. It's like, I think Kevin Feige said it, that we're really happy with the trip that we've been on so far, and Endgame was definitely a stopping point for many people to get off the bus. Yeah, as um as Evan Dinellen, friend of the show, Evan Dinellen, is fond of saying, Avengers Endgame was a definitive end to the whole first few phases, and it did. It did seem to say to its audience, hey, the train is stopping. It's going to keep on going, but you can get off here if you want. And for the folks that kind of said, oh, I'll stick around. I'll stay on train. Show me what else is, is up ahead. WandaVision is really the first glimpse into what a post-Endgame Marvel Universe might look like. That isn't just cleanup from Endgame. You know, it's, it's actually developing new properties, giving us some new ideas. It's taking us to a, pun intended, really strange place. And I think that's a good thing. I do. I think that we do need to venture into the weird a little bit more because as we said on our Fantastic Four episode, those characters in general are very much like weird and strange tales. And we have these characters now that are your pillars of the MCU who are Doctor Strange, like Strange is literally in his name and the Fantastic Four that will eventually come out and the mutants and the X-Men and Scarlet Witch and all these characters. There's a little bit of a change in and feel and a little bit of a change in theme. And WandaVision, as like the start of this, obviously Far From Home, Spider-Man Far From Home, released after Endgame came out, but that was still very much in the original vibe, in the original feel. But once we get to WandaVision, it's kind of like, what are you doing here? Like this is, even if you compare WandaVision to some of the other shows they have coming out, it's like, okay, WandaVision is going into this strange headspace with strange characters that are a little bit weirder, a little bit more out there, a little bit more into this mystical, magical multiverse. And then we have Falcon and Winter Soldier that feels very much like this is classic MCU. This is classic Captain America stuff. But then we're seeing stuff like Loki getting a TV series, which is also very different and strange looking. So I think we're at a point where the MCU is kind of expanding and it's going to have different series that kind of follow the different feels. And I feel like it's turning more into what the comic books are kind of like, where you'll watch the shows as like the series that you read previously. Yeah. So if you were reading comic books at the time, it's like, listen, I'm a big fan of Vision and Scarlet Witch. So I read that run. Don't really read the Captain America stuff, but I'll read that and I'll, you know, I'll read the Loki books and I won't, I'm not really into Captain America. 
or the Winter Soldier and Falcon, I'm not going to really watch that. However, the movies will turn into your like crossover events, you know, where you can watch the shows and then all of a sudden it all kind of comes together in the movie and you get a little bit of extra information from watching the show. You bring up an interesting point. I think there are going to be people who will say, oh my God, yes, WandaVision. I loved WandaVision. Oh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm not going to watch that. So suddenly it's not like everyone's stuffed into one movie. It's not like, hey, we're going to see Avengers tonight, you know, whatever. Uh, it's suddenly like, hey, there's this really specific run, like you said, like a running comics of these specific characters with a certain tone and flavor. And those flavors are not going to appeal to everyone. So actually, I think we might return to like the big crossover films having had disparate experiences. Because yes, of course, the big MCU true believers, they're going to watch everything. I'm going to watch everything. But there are going to be people that maybe just dipped in for WandaVision and said, wow, that was great. Nope, no interest in the others. Well, maybe I'll come back for like a Spider-Man film or something, you know? Yeah, or maybe they'll be like, you know what? I really love WandaVision. I'm just going to cool it until we get Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Right. As that ties kind of directly into WandaVision as well. Right. I'm still upset that Doctor Strange didn't make some sort of cameo in WandaVision. I know it's not his story. <laughs> I and know. I know you don't yeah. want to cheapen it with a Doctor Strange cameo. It's kind of like a gotcha. But it seems like knowing the MCU and knowing the universe as a whole, it's like, why wouldn't Doctor Strange show up with this giant mythical, magical ball of energy? But that's definitely something we can get into a little bit later when we start talking about where the series might fall short for some people, sure. even if even if we really, really loved it. Yeah. But WandaVision was definitely a show that you and I were incredibly excited about from the second we heard about what it was. Oh, yeah. We were looking forward to WandaVision since we ever heard about it, ever. Yeah, whenever and the first mention of it was, we were like, that's going to be a great show, and it was. And it was. WandaVision clearly was excellent. And I loved how they structured it, especially for the first, what, like seven or eight episodes where they were mm -hmm. following the sitcom motif and every episode changed the era of the family sitcom that the show was based on because obviously they only use family sitcoms because you don't really get any like Seinfeld in there. You don't get any friends in there really <laughs> at all. Right. Yeah. You don't get, you know, you t strangely enough, you don't get any full house, which is kind of funny. Right. Even Elizabeth Olsen's uh, family. I, maybe that was a, maybe that was something she didn't want to do. Maybe she didn't want to say, you know, you got it, dude, or something like that. But we got, <laughs> we got the transition through time as Wanda is going through the stages of grief for losing Vision and her brother and probably a bunch of the Avengers too, you know, dealing with that, that five-year uh, snap. Yeah. As she goes through every episode for those first like six or seven episodes, we're seeing a different era and a different style of family sitcom. So we start with the Dick Van Dyke show and then we go into I Love Lucy and then we go into the Brady Bunch and maybe a little bit of Mary Tyler Moore. And then from there we go into like family ties and then modern family. So we make our way through this, this trip through the 40, the, I guess the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. Oh, and then Malcolm in the Middle, right? It ends with like Malcolm in the Middle is when everything kind of switches and we get the big twist in the show. Um, yeah, there was no there was no definitive 90s sitcom era. They kind of just combined 90s, 2000s, which was, that's fine. Yeah. yeah, I think it's because Malcolm in the Middle was right on the cusp because it was like 2000. So you have Malcolm in the Middle, which is kind of, of uh, perfect for what they were trying to do with the vibe of that. And with the introduction of Fiatro into that episode, it kind of gave it more of that bratty kind of Malcolm in the Middle feel where Malcolm in the Middle, it definitely capitalized on mid to late 90s sensibilities. It kind of almost has like that 
almost kind of gross out humor that was kind of popular at that point in time or a few years before it with like you have a little bit of that like Beavis and Butthead Ren and Stimpy feel now obviously Malcolm in the Middle is not like that gross or that blue but it's still in that kind of purposely a little edgy especially with the way they shot it and the camera your camera angles and the way you know the characters were written and displayed but it kind of works with what was going on at that point in time with even that like whiny kind of like whiny theme song for that Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Kill sang theme song for that episode I loved how the music worked perfectly with the visuals worked perfectly with the style as as Wanda's kind of going through her her grief really yeah I agree I mean the show tackles the stages of grief denial anger etc acceptance in a really beautiful and creative way. And I think that's what people are really latching onto. It's not like just a show of good style. It's a show that has good, meaningful substance. And I, I know that's what kept me coming back as a viewer as well, was not necessarily just to see the new era of sitcom that was going to be displayed, which by the way, was very, very cool. But also just to see like, you know, you, you kind of know from the first episode, like this is all going to go very wrong and it's going to be very upsetting and you kind of can't look away <laughs> as it as it develops. And you want to see what new things you learn as to the whole Maximoff anomaly. You're like, well, how deep does this go? What is the extent of her power? How much do the people that are inside know about how much they're being manipulated? And as the cards turn in the show, they, they do a really nice job of letting the viewer in not only on... I guess the details of Wanda's power, but on how deeply hurt and traumatized she is by the things that she's gone through. In terms of Marvel characters, at least MCU Marvel characters, she's had pretty much the most collateral damage from start to finish. So this was a really nice way to kind of get her to deal with that and then also establish her as a meaningful character going forward. Yeah, and I think that they've really established just how powerful they're planning to make Wanda. Yeah, she's top tier at this point. Yeah. yeah, at this point, you know, they showed a little bit of it in Endgame when she was able to kind of like, kind of get Thanos, right, with her with her powers and kind of lock him yeah. down for a second before, before he's able to uh, free himself from her control. But at that moment, there was a lot of fans going, oh, they made her real powerful. But all of us who are watching, who have been comic book fans for at least, you know, even the last, 20 years or so saw WandaVision and we're like, oh, this is, there's no way this is going to end well for anyone involved just because Wanda's powers in the comic books have always been kind of mysterious and nebulous and have always, at least over the last 20 years, have had some serious implications to the rest of the universe. And I don't think that didn't happen here either. We might not have seen the extent of her powers and the extent of its effect upon the MCU in the show because the show is really laser focused. It's really just focused on the relationship between Wanda and Vision and Wanda's relationship with her own grief kind of working her way through it. It's almost like, like therapy to a degree for her. Like she's actually, because she has these powers to create these environments and obviously the whole world of Westview that she's in completely gets hijacked by another part but in the end, the show doesn't really have a big bad, really. It has yeah. it kind of towards the end. But the enemy of the show is grief, really, or at least coming to terms with it. And I think Vision has a, a wonderful conversation with Wanda late in the series where he explains to her that grief is love uh, persevering, which a lot of people, you know, obviously that struck a chord with many people who dealt with grief. Yeah. Mm. And uh, it makes Vision a as a robot cyborg synthesoid android or whatever who shouldn't have emotion who shouldn't have feeling who shouldn't have these things it paints vision as kind of this this amazing character as well it's like he's very important and he's learned so much about humanity because of his appreciation of humanity but in the end you know this is wanda's show this is their show together it's about them so there were theories floating around the internet since 
episode one that really didn't come true. (laughs) No. Uh, Part of the fun of watching the show was theorizing along with the online community. There are a lot of shows that are structured this way where the narrative kind of is purposely hiding things from the viewer. And these shows become wonderful to speculate on. Shows like Lost or, I don't know, Westworld or something like that are shows that are great to watch week to week because you can go online as much as you would like to engage with the community and just take a look at some of the wacky, wacky theories that are out there. Some of them actually did come true because the internet is amazing and there are people that are amazing at being able to predict certain things. And some of the theories were way, way off, which is just hilarious. But you know what? I don't begrudge the show for that. It was part of the fun of watching was to say, wouldn't it be crazy if this happened? And that is only a testament to the kind of inspirational fire that Marvel and the MCU can light up in the viewers by saying, hey, open up your imaginations. What do you think can happen next? Because Wanda's powers are such that anything could happen. Yeah, she really is. Like that chaos magic is really just so unpredictable. Yeah. That at that point, there were points in the show where our theories had gotten so haywire and so crazy that it was so much fun just sitting there talking about it. And then, unfortunately, comic book viewers and comic book readers, rather, are people that love to theorize. They love to come up with their pet theories. Sure. And I think a lot of us overcomplicated things quite a bit and didn't look at the show for what it was, myself included, for sure. Oh, me too. Uh, Obviously, the entire fan base was like, well, that's Mephisto. Well, that's Mephisto. Well, that's Mephisto. Every episode was Mephisto. It was really and I was I was on the Mephisto train because I I saw the same signs everybody else had seen. I was reading into those lines the same way. I Everything from the devil in the details to the fly on the curtains. I was like, oh yeah, Mephisto, absolutely. And then when it didn't, when it wasn't Mephisto, I was just kind of like, oh, I guess I, I didn't need Mephisto to be happy with the show. No, and I don't think the writers really even were that aware of the character, or that aware of the, of the right, character's connection. which is connection. insane, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite episode of WandaVision? Yeah, I do, but it's it's probably not the most popular choice. I actually really love the first two episodes, and that's not to say I didn't like what came later, but I think what I wanted out of WandaVision, which I did get, by the way, of course, was I really wanted this thing that was very, very strange and very open to interpretation. And I've found this to be the case with most properties that I get into that are like this, where I don't like when anything is explained too much. Whenever there's like an episode where it's just like, oh, all is revealed. This is the second time I'm going to reference Evan in the same episode. Friend of the show, Evan Donnell. Who will be on a later episode, actually. Yes. Evan always refers to this character as the quote unquote Bagul expert. A Bagul expert is, it's like the person in a supernatural property, usually a horror movie, who happens to know everything about the monster and then just tells the protagonist. We call it the Bagul expert because I believe it's Vincent D'Onfrio that plays the character in the movie Sinister, which is like, has one of the worst Bagul expert problems I've ever seen, which is just like, the main character knows nothing about the demon, speaks with the Bagul expert once, and the guy's like, here's everything you need to know about Bagul. And it just takes all the mystery and the fun of guessing out of the movie. So I guess for WandaVision, that episode would be the episode in which Agatha Harkness reveals herself having been, you know, Agnes all along. It was Agatha all along. What a wonderful song that is. And in the, sorry, it's it's the subsequent episode where she like takes herself through Wanda's past and then, you know, she's letting her know how her magic is working and oh this is all just this and i didn't you know i I typically don't like those kinds of things i don't think it was egregiously bad in wandavision i still think that's a good episode but that for me is actually the weakest episode i like episodes one and two in particular because they are so strange and charming and also menacing they have this great creepy subtext where you feel like the kettle is really on the boiler and it's going to start whistling any moment 
but you can't quite put your finger on exactly what's wrong. And for that matter, neither can they. And I would have liked to have stayed in that kind of queasy middle spot for a little bit longer if I could have. Yeah. It's episode four. We now interrupt this program, which first introduces like the sword characters. And you start to see that like, okay, hey, we're not in the sitcom world anymore. This is what's really going on behind the scenes. And it, of course, it is that dynamic that makes the show interesting that you're kind of playing it from two sides. But I was still intrigued by sitcom land and i think another way that the show could have operated that i might have personally liked better was just if we had kept getting the sitcom episodes without seeing sword from the other side but of course you can't do that and we have some of our favorite characters and our favorite moments come from the sword side of the show that i i, I think i just wanted the mystery to be entertained a little bit longer i understand that all things must be revealed in the end but the show did lose some of its specialness when its mystery went away yeah when that whole sitcom veneer is is brought down it's kind of eroded just a little bit you do kind of lose that awkwardness of the of the early episodes because like the first two episodes without a doubt the Dick Van Dyke and Bewitched episodes are, like you said, very uncomfortable in the same way that watching those shows today is also kind of uncomfortable. There's something about it. Like, even though, like, you know <laughs> sure. what I mean? It's like- They are creepy, yeah. There's a creepiness to it. That era is weird to go back and watch it. There's a sad nostalgia about it. Is There's, you, we obviously know it's 100% contrived and fake and it just- it's one of those things where it's just like it it watching that feels weird. Watching those perfect situations unfold always feels strange when you go back and watch those sitcoms of like the 50s and 60s. I would I'll go and say this, the the awkwardness too from WandaVision, obviously they turn that up to 11 because it's very uncomfortable. Those first episodes are have moments that are like uh is this too many cooks? Because right. yeah. you get those moments of like like when Vision's boss is choking at the house. Yeah, episode yeah, like one. A, yeah. a weird moment there where you're just like, uh, what is going on? This totally kind of breaks the show a little bit. And Wanda's ability to kind of like skip events that don't work out and rewrite things and her, her ability to say no and change stuff. It's very interesting. It's very awkward. It's very stressful. And it's funny how when you score those scenes to dramatic music, they can become terrifying as opposed to the normal like Pleasantville ho-hum of your typical sitcom like background stuff. So there's sure. definitely there's definitely a, an awkwardness to it, which is beautiful. Um, and it makes the show work in those first few episodes. And obviously we lose that as we go on. But well, what about for you? What, what's your favorite episode of WandaVision? My favorite episode is, I don't really know off the top of my head. A lot of it kind of has blended together uh, to a degree. I definitely you lie. It's the spooktacular. I definitely it's, the, it's the Halloween special, isn't it? I definitely love the spooktacular. <laughs> like everything about that's great. That episode had me cheering at points, especially when Pietro gets his classic, classic, quote unquote, classic costume. Yeah. And we get to see Speed and Wiccan uh, get gain some access to their powers. Yeah. Uh, a little bit like they match in the comic books. And it gives you that hope that, oh, maybe this is the real Pietro from the X-Men universe maybe we are going to start seeing some more of these younger Marvel characters start to show up. Unfortunately, none of that pays off. It's a At least not yet. Yeah. At least not yet. And that's the thing too that we, we could talk about in a little bit. I definitely love the Halloween Spectacular. I think that's a great episode. I love the first two episodes. I really do. Uh, that was really a lot of fun. It was very, felt like you were watching something different. It felt like you were watching something very, very special. 
But I also do love the insertion of some of the sword characters. I think Jimmy Woo is a great character. Oh, yeah. Terrific. Uh, Darcy is wonderful. People love that character. She's like a fan favorite character. I hope yeah. they show more Jimmy Woo and Darcy. And, uh, and I, lo- I love Monica. I think in many ways, Monica is sort of the hero of WandaVision, even though her story doesn't get wrapped in WandaVision. I think they have a lot of great plans for Monica. I think that whether she becomes Spectrum or whether she becomes Photon, whether she becomes Photon. Photon, Yeah, yeah, I think they have a lot planned for her. I think that actress is great. I think they picked a perfect actress for her. Nailed it. Really just knocked it out of the park. And uh, a lot of people aren't familiar that Monica Rambeau in the comic books was a a Captain Marvel for a little while. It's one of those things where it's a very important character to like the fabric of the Avengers, especially the Avengers era we're talking about. WandaVision, Wanda and Vision are very much their whole relationship that is very much a an 80s avengers thing and and monica rambo as captain marvel is a very 80s important avengers character and we will definitely see a lot more of monica in captain marvel 2 and while i love the fact that we have so much more time to spend with these characters moving forward it is a little bittersweet when you're watching wandavision knowing like oh my gosh, uh, Monica's an awesome character. I can't wait to see her become Photon. And then you realize like, oh wait, she's going to become Photon in, in the Captain Marvel movie. That's where she's really going to shine. But we did get to see her use her powers a bit, which is really, really cool. I loved when she walked through the the bubble and you saw like multiple versions of herself, which I was hoping- Which is a hope- reference reference to Contact, I think, yeah, with Jodie yeah. Foster. It was a really yeah. cool reference. Yeah. That, and I was like hoping at some point maybe a Spider-Man would show up and we would see like alternate versions of Spider-Man when he walked through the thing, but that no, never happened. That's going to be its own thing. Yeah, exactly. So if that happens, hopefully. Apparently they weren't on set. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't believe that for a second. I, I, I say this. I, I'll believe it when I don't see it. Wouldn't it be funny if like we all go to the new Spider-Man movie expecting multiple Spider-Man, but it's Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> He's all the alternate Spider-Man. And we're like, oh, this was Mephisto. Mephisto was in Spider-Man all along. Well, they have a connection. But I will definitely, and that's pop. That's part of the reason why I at when we get to episodes like four and five and six that I thought Mephisto might be involved because it's a very similar relationship that Mephisto has with Spider-Man and Mary Jane in the comic books. In the comic book, uh, Brand New Day, not One More Day, Brand New Day. In One More Day, Spider-Man makes a deal with Mephisto to save his Aunt May's life as she's dying and he makes that deal with Mephisto but what they have to give up is that Peter Parker and Mary Jane were never in love and they were never together but it's as a pa- bad trade it's bad, a bad trade Peter. it is a, it is a bad trade but as Mephisto what he gets out of that is that a part of both of them will know or and he says like part of your soul or part of your spirit will be screaming out in pain because you will be aware part of you will be aware and he goes and that's what i want because i'm that's the type of person i am evil fuck yeah exactly so when evan peters shows up as pietro and wanda thinks it's her brother i was like oh this is perfect for mephisto because she knows he's not him and he knows he's not her brother but they both think that they are, and there's something about it that would drive Mephisto like crazy in the good way. But apparently that didn't happen. At least not yet. But no, I definitely love the Halloween Spectacular. I think my favorite like minute of the show is Agatha All Along. I think that's just oh, a great yeah, song. That's just such a good moment. And, and the, so, the song is brilliant. And that's we haven't talked about her at all really yet, but Catherine Hahn is just terrific in this show. Oh my gosh, does she does do such a great job as Agatha Harkness slash Agnes? Just what great work. And I really hope, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that she'll be back. I think Ag- Agatha Harkness is going to be around for a long time in these movies, but 
it's kind of upsetting where the show ends is kind of like, will we see her again? I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure that they have plans for Agatha Harkness and they kind of go out of their way to make the dialogue pretty clear that Wanda may seek her out again and she'll just kind of be waiting in Westview until that time. You know, a lot of people were quick to point out that Agatha Harkness is not typically a straight villain in the comics. It doesn't even seem that she will be a straight villain going forward, even though overtly she is sort of the villain of WandaVision. Really, it's Hayward. I think we can guarantee we will see Agatha Harkness again, probably Probably not in Doctor Strange too, but I, I would consider her going forward for sure. Definitely. I would say, if anything, she might show up in Doctor Strange 2 as like a cameo, maybe as Wanda sure. needs to. Probably like a post-credit. That seems like a post-credits. That seems like, all right, now I know a little bit more about this chaos magic, and now I need to learn how to control it better. Who knows? I go, I'll go. i see. I'll go see Agnes. That yeah. would be awesome. Yeah, you know, Agatha Harkness is also a great character for like, this is getting way ahead of ourselves, but like, actually, I thought one of the best characters that you could do a television series for is Doctor Strange. Yeah. Because a lot of Doctor Strange's stories, they're not necessarily like movie quality stories, but they they make great monster of the week tales. And like, Agatha Harkness is a great person to like rotate into that, you know, but we'll see. They might do something similar to that in the films. I guess that's, they have these actors in play now and these characters are in the universe. So all that potential is, has been awakened. I actually think that Disney is going to really, really lean into the TV stuff moving forward. And I think we're going to yeah. see more of these big name characters in the TV shows because Disney Plus has 100 million subscribers. Within two years, they have 100 million subscribers. So that's where the fan base is. Yeah. And they can up the prices a little bit if they need to and make some real money. So you might see more Benedict Cumberbatch on a Doctor Strange miniseries. Right. I think that would be beautiful. How cool would it be if we got the Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange team up, you know, where they oh, go man. to hell? <laughs> And fight uh, Mephisto and confirmed. Fight Mephisto confirmed. <laughs> uh, to get back Dr. Dr. Doom's mother's soul, that would be unbelievable. Imagine watching that on, on Disney Plus every week. Yeah, but of course, Doom's not even really there for his mother's soul. He's there to defeat Reed Richards. That's right, Reed Richards. Also, with when it comes to these shows like uh, the production value is through the yeah it's it, it they've got movie quality production value which really makes all the difference in the world when you have characters that are just ex you know they're displaying extraordinary abilities that hitherto have only been displayed in drawn comic book form like i only i thought that the mandalorian looked incredible yeah. And how they shot the Mandalorian was really special and beautiful. And then you watch the fight at the end of WandaVision between the two visions and between Wanda and Agatha. And you're like, oh my God, this is a movie. This is yeah. the end of an Avengers movie. Right. And it looks unbelievable. Yeah. Production value is terrific. We talked about favorite episodes. Who's your favorite character in the series? So... I am predisposed to liking magical characters, so I could I could straight up just say Wanda or Agatha, but uh, my answer will surprise you. I actually think Vision ended up being my favorite character in WandaVision. I know it's not strictly his show. He's the co-lead, and, and at that, he's the secondary co-lead. Um, but I was just reminded why Vision can lift the hammer and why Vision is a true hero. You know, when Darcy tells him in the van look, this is the way things really were. You died twice, uh, you know, and, and without hesitation, he's like, well, I'm gonna go do it again because I can't leave these people stuck in this scenario. I can't let Wanda continue to spiral. He just he just always does the right thing. Yes, Vision does follow the trope of the machine that is more human than the humans. You know, again, just like Dolores in Westworld or like a million other robot or android characters throughout science fiction fantasy. But I think he's got like the most heart of any of those. I think Vision might be my favorite of those, of those yeah. characters. I think he's just wonderful. I think I think Paul Bettany gives a monster performance on this show, particularly in that last episode. Thank goodness and, for Paul um, Bettany. 
yeah, I'm happy that we might get more vision going forward since white vision is still sort of around. I don't know that he has long-term staying power and really our vision is dead um but <laughs> no he is i mean you know. it's just it's just a funny phrase to say our vision what? is dead our vision is dead <laughs> we are blind our vision is is gone the real vision is is gone the white vision continues i don't know in what way i don't know what meaning that will have yeah it's very um, interesting but I thought Paul Bettany, just the way he played the role was very funny. He was so, so charming in the early episodes. And there is so much payoff and good catharsis in watching him trying to go through the motions in the charade in the beginning of the season, realizing something is wrong, actually doing some sleuthing to try to figure it out, finding out the truth and deciding what he needs to do to make it right. That journey was very rewarding to watch throughout the show even in a show that wasn't always his, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but he, he was he was great. And this is not me taking anything away from Elizabeth Olsen's performance. She's the tops. It's her show. She's amazing. She should get all the Emmys. But Paul Bettany does terrific, terrific work. I really hope that this show gets recognized for the award season. I don't think it will. I don't think it will either, because I no. think like a lot of these boards that you know, vote for stuff like this. They see a genre piece and they go, well, I'm not going to touch that. Any genre piece, sci-fi, fantasy, horror, it's just the, they're always like the the person left on the bench when it comes to award season. It's just like, oh, that thing that everyone watched and like, yeah, don't consider that. It's actually just some shitty genre film. It's just, it's so boring what they do with these awards every year. All of them, they're all guilty of this. It's like they, they get to pat themselves on the back for being pretentious almost. It's like, guys, there's some good stuff happening in genre pieces. Some of the best movies of the last few years have been horror movies or sci-fi movies. And I'm not even talking about like MCU stuff or or any superhero stuff. I'm talking about like really great stuff out there. Even if we go to like Mad Max and like Mad Max got nominated for Best Picture, but like that movie was unbelievably good. And it's just, they just always snub it. I don't know why. It's kind of like, if you like this stuff, you're stupid. It's like, I think I I am stupid. uh, Yeah. I think a long time has gone on in, I don't know, the awards, the world of awards where people have always considered genre things to be juvenile, the kinds of things that apply to or appeal to children, science fiction, fantasy, horror, or to apply only or appeal only to like fringe groups of society, right? But they don't realize, at least in my mind, they don't realize that that has now become like the societal center. It's like most people are interested in superhero things. And just because it's popular doesn't mean it is bad or less than. You know, and that's not to say that WandaVision is the most amazing t- television show about grief ever. I'm sure it's not. You know, there, there are many other shows that deal with the same issue in very mature ways. But WandaVision did, did something new with it. I think it deserves some credit for that. Also, WandaVision takes a genre that is typically, like you said, considered to be something for children or something that is less mature and less serious and gave you a really beautiful tale about grief and depression that will resonate with more people because it involves characters that we're familiar with and love. But also in the end, when you're talking about this kind of like award snobbery, but it's like one of those things where it's just like, I just hope that the actors get a little bit more recognition for their work on this show. And I think the directors do amazing work. You're working with stuff that isn't there. Yeah, <laughs> It's not there, but it was some really special stuff. But no, like you said, Vision is is a beautiful character. What I, about your, your, your favorite character on the show? My favorite character on the show, which it's it's hard. I obviously Wanda's amazing. It's her show, and it's it's one of those things where it's like such an interesting character, such an interesting take on the character. How her uh, her psyche changes, how she's different on TV than when she's out in the world, and she, she kind of gets her accent back a little bit. It's really yeah, which really, was really really cool. Really so is it, is it Wanda for you? Uh, I think it's it might be it's it's might be Wanda. Wow, we are fucking boring. We picked the two main characters. I also really <laughs> really I mean I really love Quicksilver. 
I think Pietro pre Pietro Pietro, I thought was awesome. He's definitely a character. that's like completely up my alley. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, he the was listener, great. The listener does not know that everything about the Evan Peters Pietro Quicksilver is what Mike plays in every Dungeons and Dragons campaign we've ever played together. I don't He's know what you're talking like about. The fast talking, like wise ass character, like that behaves exactly that way. I love that. I love that about him. And he's so interesting. I just, I'm upset that his whole appearance in the show was boiled down to like a joke. And um, it's something that they kind of did Quicksilver dirty again, which is kind of upsetting. But I love the moments we had with him as he was like, kind of like, he was like the best uncle, but also at the same time, the worst uncle. And he, you know, he had all those great Quicksilver powers. I love, while I have a problem with how sometimes sometimes how he was used in the X-Men movies. I loved X-Men Quicksilver. I thought I thought Evan Peters' Quicksilver was far better than Aaron Taylor Johnson's Quicksilver. I thought he was much more relatable. He was much more fun. He felt more in tune with what the character is kind of supposed to be. I loved it. And when he when they were bringing him in to, to the MCU as Pietro or Pete Maximoff, I thought that would have been great if they, if they would have ran with that, pardon the pun. Um, but I really <laughs> definitely loved him. Uh, like we said before too it's like there's so many great characters on this show Monica's amazing I love Jimmy Woo and Darcy these are great characters but my favorite is probably a toss-up between Wanda and Fiatro and also Agatha's great Agatha's really really good no she's she's terrific all these characters are great Uh, I I kind of regret picking Vision because I think my second choice would have been Agatha and I think she hams it up so well and we have now a whole generation of people discovering Catherine Hahn who's been a terrific character actress for like 20 years she's been amazing Uh, for a very long time and you know it's it's cool that she gets now a wider audience to appreciate her I think I know Catherine Hahn best from Parks and Recreation where she plays a campaign manager who is very funny as a recurring role and she's excellent in that part but yeah. it was really nice to see her here I, I think I first noticed Catherine Hahn in Revolutionary Road oh, wow. uh, which is a, a Kate Winslet Leonardo DiCaprio drama actually that has tones of WandaVision in it Dave Harbour's in that movie as well I've followed her career for a, a great many years and she's uh, she's just awesome so it's cool that we know we have her in the universe somewhere sometimes I feel like the MCU is like this gravitational force that eventually sucks all of Hollywood into it but I think that could be a good thing I think it can be a good thing because they find the right people for the right role you know yeah. and Catherine Hahn plays a great witch so she and she she loves snacking on your magic so yeah, she snacks on it. we obviously have had tons tons of theories you and I have shot back and forth towards each other yeah um, let's pick one theory that you that you had that came true yeah and one theory that you had that didn't come true and one theory that you had that you wish had come true that did not come th- come true. You got it. Easy for me because I, I still think about them often, even though the show is already over. So the theory I had that was shared with the community, like many people held the theory early, was that next door neighbor Agnes was in fact Agatha Harkness, who was a character that was already part of the lore of Scarlet Witch, and it seemed like a good auto-include. And she wasn't really very hidden. I mean, naming Agatha Harkness Agnes... Uh, which just sounds like a shortened version of Agatha Harkness, and they cast Catherine Hahn, and she was wearing the brooch. It's like she was kind of just hiding in plain sight. So I guess that was kind of a gimme. It was a, an, an easy theory to bot, and then when it paid off, you felt good about it. So that was a theory that was, you know, came to fruition and was was good. A theory that I held that did not come true, that I was a little disappointed and, and I wish had come true, was that I thought we were going to learn that Agatha's husband, Ralph, whom she references about once an episode, was in fact going to be Mephisto. And they were going to kind of go with the darker interpretation of witchcraft, which was that, you know, as a witch, she's like the bride of the devil or something like that. Kind of like Sabrina, right? 
exactly. And uh, and we would find out like, oh, you know, who's living in that house that we never see because he looks better in the dark. Well, it's it's Mephisto. It's you know, he's he's here, too, as like maybe some kind of a parasite on Wanda's magic, except I was just looking too hard. I just it was it was just right there. It was Agatha. It was still Agatha. And that was that was satisfying. And then the pet theory that I knew was way out there and I knew wouldn't come true, but I was still hoping for anyway, was that. I thought we would find out maybe Hayward was more than just kind of like a blank suit villain and that he somehow had salvaged Ultron's programming. And when he was bringing back White Vision, it was to give Ultron a new body. And I think the most credible source for this theory was that every time you finished an episode of WandaVision, Disney Plus tried to show you Age of Ultron. And I thought, oh, well, obviously they're trying to show us Age of Ultron because it gives us the origin of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in the Marvel Universe which by the way was true. That is why they were trying to show you that. But I thought, wow, particularly the screen in which they were trying to show us Age of Ultron, it's just got Ultron's face staring at you at the end of every episode, almost like he's like the ultimate ha 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 post credits. And I thought maybe when White Vision woke up, he would speak with James Spader's fucking awesome, sexy Ultron voice. None of that came to fruition, but unlike some fans, I was more than happy with the way it ended. I loved the ending. I was not truly disappointed. I just thought, hey, wouldn't it have been cool if? Because truly, I actually would like an Ultron return. I thought he was a good villain that could have come back. Yeah, no, I think I think we'll get Ultron at some point, especially since Vision is now out there and Vision's, right. uh, Vision's memories have been uploaded essentially into the White Vision. So I think we'll see more of that. Now, what I like about White Vision is that's the Vision I remember as a kid when I played the Avengers arcade yeah, game. Yeah, the, the arcade game. Uh, same question back at you. Theories right. confirmed, theories denied. Well, unfortunately, I think the only theory I had that got confirmed is the same one as yours. Is we we're like, all right, that's Agatha Harkness. And my Leonardo DiCaprio point when when, <laughs> when they revealed that she was Agatha Harkness and I pointed at him like, why? Why? It's her. I knew yep. it. I yep. saw you. Episode one. <laughs> I knew you. I think the theory that I had that did not come true was that Pietro was Pete Maximoff from the X-Men universe and that Agatha Harkness used the nexus of all realities to pull Pietro, a Pietro, because she couldn't get the one from from this universe, from this yeah. universe to pull a different Pietro and throw him in there. And the reason why it didn't really, it worked for Wanda was because it's like, well, you're kind of him and something about you. I can sense is him. And she just kind of controlled him and, and used her powers to kind of manipulate his memories so that in a very cloud strife way from Final Fantasy VII, his influence on Wanda could actually stir up her memories as well to the point where she was like, oh, no, 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 I do know him. Ultimately, I think that would have been better. I think that would have been a better end for that character, better than the Ralph Boner joke, which is, um, there's a lot of things in WandaVision that I love. I think WandaVision's a beautiful show. I pretty much love 99.9% .9 of that show. Sure. I think it's magical. Yeah. I think the way it ends is beautiful and perfect, and it works perfectly for what they were trying to do with these characters but when you take a character and you take an actor like evan peters who people love in a role that people loved him in and you turn it into a boner joke it's like really you're gonna waste that talent it seems like a bad management decision unless and that's a big unless we don't find out later on that that actually is pete maximoff and that there was some multiverse stuff at play i'm i'm gonna be the tinfoil hat guy for a second mm -hmm. so first let me preface this by saying i thought the boner joke was hilarious 
Um, well, hear me out. I love a boner joke. Did I did I laugh at the joke when it happened? <laughs> yes, I did. But you know what? To me, it even felt a little sophomoric for what Disney typically does. Like that's like a Beavis and Butthead joke. I liked it. I thought it was perfect for that character. You are right. You are right. Especially since he's like in his room playing like yeah. AR on his guitar. Like he's like a hipster indie like like guitar acoustic guitar guy. Yeah. Uh. No. I. I I'm gonna put my tinfoil hat on for a second. I. Uh. I think you have a very good eye we were talking about the show week to week of course and of course. you had mentioned like hey agatha's basement as you said looks like the nexus of all realities oh, it I looks get, like... i'm gonna get into that in a okay minute. well i won't i won't steal your thunder then but i was gonna say i i find all that a little bit much for it just to have been this guy ralph's house yeah. you know what i mean yeah uh, and a lot of things doesn't gel don't don't gel for me there one i don't think ralph boner owns that home <laughs> That guy just doesn't strike me as a homeowner. Maybe that's just me sowing my millennial doubt of the dream of homeownership ever coming true for me. I was like, that fucking dude doesn't live in that house. He doesn't own that house. His name's not on the deed. This is a lie in some way. We did see a magic necklace yeah. come off of Ralph Boner that meant that Agatha was controlling him. But I don't think a necklace like that confers super speed. I think there are some things that don't quite line up there. Also, what you said is totally true, Mike. I'm just reacting to what you said. People love Evan Peters, love him. And I'm not just talking about like American Horror Story people. Like his role as Quicksilver in the Fox X-Men movies are basically the only good thing about the Fox X-Men movies other yep. than Fassbender and arguably James McAvoy. And I think we say this every time we talk about Marvel movies, Kevin Feige is a genius. Yeah. And he understands what fans want and he does a lot of reading about what fans want. He's got his eye on communities. He's got his eye on online chats and theories and forums and things like that. The multiverse is a mighty big place. And I think there's room for a Ralph Boner Quicksilver. <laughs> Imagine if his name was Richard. Right, yeah. Oh my fucking God, Jesus. So, uh, and then then I've proved myself to um, be just as sophomoric as the joke itself was. But no, the That's, joke itself go. was fine. I thought the joke was fine. All right, so your, big, your big pet theory. All right, my big pet theory that I really wanted to happen was that I wished and I hoped and I stayed at night, up at night thinking about it. I wanted the basement in its swampy glory <laughs> Yep. And it takes place in Jersey that is filled with swamp. Okay. Jersey is a giant swamp. Like literally. No offense to our Meadowlands listeners. No, but the Meadowlands is a swamp. I, I'm a Jets fan. I, I've been there tons of times. I want it the <laughs> I want it her basement to be the nexus of all realities because it looks like a swamp. And in the comic books, the nexus of all realities is a swamp guarded by a swamp monster by the name of Man Thing. And I just yeah. wanted there to be a physical fight between like a bewitched man thing and like and like Quicksilver and Monica and the kids having to fight man thing as like man thing is setting scared people on fire. I just really I just really hope that that big man thing monster would pop out because man would I love every single second about that. And then oh. it would lead us into the, the Legion of Monsters. Ah, uh, well yeah, as much as I wanted that to come through for you, I knew that was a far fetched oh, one. Course. It was about as far fetched as Ultron, honestly. Two I coins. Yeah, coming back to the nexus of all realities for a second, which I think must play a huge role in the new Doctor Strange movie coming up. I think you're going to get your wish. I don't know if it'll be Man-Thing, but we are going to see that there is this multiple realities business going on. We may see that some in the Spider-Man movie. That's the rumor, which we, we've talked about. We will probably respect the lore of the nexus of all realities, which is that there are nexus guardians and Man-Thing is one of those characters. Uh, they have no reason to make up, what I'm saying is they have no reason to make up a new character to do that. So I actually, I think the odds on Man-Thing are good. 
also they probably want to establish man thing to get a jump on anyone else trying to introduce swamp thing so that they can say, oh, you copied, we copied, I copied. It doesn't really matter. But I think man thing will happen. I actually think James Gunn would be a great man thing, you know, person. Uh, we'll see if that happens. I, I would love to see that because man thing definitely has tentacles and we know James Gunn loves himself. He loves tentacles. Tentacles. Sam uh, Raimi would also do well with man thing. So yeah, we'll Sam see Raimi if that could ever happen. Imagine if man things in the multiverse of madness. I think that's, I, again, I think that's totally possible. Oh, that'd be um, good. And now that we see, you know, post-show Wanda with the Darkhold, uh, which, uh, sorry, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., <laughs> um, now, that, now that we see Wanda with the dark hold, I think we can assume that, you know, she's basically got the keys to the multiverse. So I think a lot of people's macro pet theories, like about the entire MCU that like maybe she'll become the mother of mutants or whatever. Uh, those kinds of things could come true. We mm -hmm. hear Billy and Tommy's voices coming from the dark hold. Yeah. She has access to them in some way. And I think it could be more than just those kids that come out of that book. You might get your Evan Peters Quicksilver. You might get your Michael Fassbender Magneto. Those things are now possible. That book or or your Nexus, the basement in Agatha's house, is the key to all that stuff potentially coming true and ultimately creating what WandaVision always set out to create, which is a much stranger Marvel Universe. And I'm going to leave you at that, my friend, because that was beautiful. And I think a much stranger Marvel Universe is what you and I want moving forward. I would like to say what we would like to expect more from this to uh, type of WandaVision stuff, but I don't think there's anything more to expect. I think WandaVision is done. I think moving forward, we're going to see a larger, stranger, multiverse-centric Marvel Universe and... I can not be happier because I want this Silver Age Marvel team up weirdness to kind of permeate. We're seeing it with Thor and Thor's clearly got his kind of Marvel team up thing going on. Uh, we're going to see it with yeah. Spider-Man because Spider-Man is clearly going to work with Doctor Strange at some point. Maybe even Wanda will show up in Spider-Man or Spider-Man will show up in Doctor Strange. It's, it's, it's going to be cool. It's going to be weird. It's going to be out there and I'm here for it. In the end though, before we wrap today's episode, just one thing you want to see come out of WandaVision. Yeah, this is actually very specific and I'm very unlikely to get it. Sometimes those old sitcoms will come back for like one episode Yeah, and they'll do like the reunion special. I would actually like to see, I don't know how it's possible, but you know what? It's a, it's a weird world we live in. Times are strange. Lean into the weirdness. I, I would love to see a reunion special of WandaVision where they either do like some kind of like follow-up on what's going on in Westview. Maybe Wanda comes back to apologize or something like that. And there is some kind of follow-up and reunion with Agatha. Or I would straight up just like an Adams Family or Munsters, essentially, episode of WandaVision. Oh, yeah. Which is just like, what's Agnes been up to while she's been stranded? Oh, she started her own weird family with Ralph Boner. And they live in like this creepy-ass house in the middle of suburbia. And it's stuffed with monsters, including a man thing in the basement. Dude, that's beautiful. Um, That's kind of exactly... Oh, that That's kind of exactly... Not my how about this micro pitch, but I, I think that if that somehow leads into some sort of weird Legion of Monsters stuff, uh, I'm down. I, especially yeah. if like, the whole town becomes like this weird haunted town because of what the magic energy is there. I would love um, that. I think that's that's great. And then I think that would be really, really, really lovely. So also um, that would be a good excuse to like continue to use Catherine Hahn. Also, you could get a little more guest spot with Emma Caulfield, who was kind of wasted. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I yeah, totally wasted. Or from Dottie. Uh, we have no idea who she is. Someone told me she was Sour Proctor. I don't know if that's true. Listen, I'm I'm all for it. Give me a weird, creepy ass town. Give me the monsters. Give me the give me the Adams family. I want all that that good, good, juicy vintage horror goodness.
I'd love that. I'd, I'd be all about that. I, I think that idea is amazing. I, like you, want to see more of the weird monster stuff from Marvel because I think Marvel has some amazing, amazing monster stuff. Some of their underworld stuff is just so good. And oh, with yeah. Blade and Ghost Rider and Doctor Strange and the Midnight Suns and all these characters out there, it's like you could do so much fun, weird stuff with it. So moving forward, I hope WandaVision does have a, a significant impact. Obviously, it's given Marvel this strange anti-hero in the Scarlet Witch who is not really a villain, but she could be, but also not quite totally a hero because yep. she's still trying to understand this um, Scarlet Witch magic that she has, this chaos magic that she has. And she's definitely a bit more of the D&D style sorcerer than I would say like a wizard because she's very, her skills are all inherent and natural where someone like Doctor Strange has to kind of learn, right? He well, has to she's, teach himself. She's currently multi-classing in wizard because she just picked up that book. So uh, we'll Yeah, exactly. So she's got some stuff going on. But in the end, WandaVision was a, a very special thing to experience, especially as it's great to go home on Friday night to have something to watch. Like it was like it in the vein of the sitcoms that we grew up watching. That was when you watch those shows, right? We would go home on Friday night and that's when they were on TV. Yeah, absolutely. But being able to go home every Friday night to watch WandaVision was just such a, such, such a, a joy, a yeah. joy during this, this weird time that we're still dealing with right now. But in the end, I think WandaVision is one of the coolest things that the MCU has put out. It's certainly one of the most original, and I'm very happy to see its implications on the MCU moving forward. Yeah, me too. And I, I thought this was like the most exciting thing to happen in the MCU in quite a while. And it was really like something to really lift your spirits in this time as well, too. I think everybody kind of needed WandaVision. So I think I think this will be fondly remembered pretty much by everyone, whether you're big into those characters or not, whether you love Marvel magic or not. It was something special for all of us. Exactly. And I'm very excited to see what happens next with these characters but that being said thank you all so much for listening to yet another episode of how about this this was a lot of fun this was a little bit off the beaten path a little different than what we normally do but i think jordan and i might do stuff like this moving forward as we watch other things together uh, especially with our audience out there who might like listening to episodes like this so if you're interested in watching to uh, listening to episodes like this please be sure to let us know but once again master of the mystic arts i have to thank you for being the best co-host on the planet so thank you you sir are the best co-host in the multiverse wow you are you're, you're, you're welcome for that you, you outdid me not really yeah only slightly yeah but it was know. worth it well thanks again for listening everyone <laughs> just letting you know if you're ever getting to an argument with a robot just be sure to bring up the ship of theseus oh i love that <laughs> what a beautiful moment enjoy and have a good day and that was our discussion of WandaVision. So thank you once again for tuning in and bearing with us for all these strange audio issues that we had on this episode. But I hope you really enjoyed it and I hope you had a lot of fun with it. Jordan and I had a blast recording this one, especially because we clearly enjoy the show so very much. Now, that being said, if you're looking to support us, you can find us on Instagram at HowAboutThisPod and you can always like and subscribe and give us a review on the podcatcher of your choosing so it increases the overall visibility of the show. Thank you so much for listening so far. And I know so many of you out there are listening every week and sharing it with your friends. We love seeing that. We love seeing our download numbers shoot up through the roof. And we love talking about the stuff that you love as well. So if there is anything out there that you'd like us to talk about, please be sure to let us know. And the best way to do that is to respond to our posts and give us some reviews. So once again, thank you so very much for Jordan and myself. Thank you for listening to the How About This podcast.